69 offense. He was giving them the business. I like Pittsburgh, I always have. If, if they had a bigger airport, I'd live here. <laughs> and that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Playoffs? What talk about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hello and welcome to the Backyard PA Football Podcast covering high school football between Pittsburgh and Morgantown along Interstate 79 and Interstate 70 if you're going east to west. I'm Nathan Grella. I'm Jeremiah Miller. And we had an exciting week of football that uh, we're definitely interested in recapping. We talked about it a little bit before the mic started rolling, um, but we're going to dive into it more here, uh, looking at some of the games that happened. Jeremiah, what did you think of week six? Uh, you know, really opened my eyes up to really who the really good teams are heading into the playoffs and, you know, uh, realization for other teams, just, you know, where they really stand. Um, and, you know, chances of not making the playoffs now as well uh, for some teams. But, you know, some teams really um, exceeded, I don't want to say expectations, but reality maybe. I don't know if that's the best terminology to use, but um, to where they stand and they put others in their place to say, you know, and where they belong when we're getting closer to playoffs, you know, just one week away from um, Selection Monday. And there's still definitely a lot to be decided as far as where seedings go and everything, but we have um, playoff projections up um, on every social media site uh, that we have, so go check those out. Uh, if you're listening to this in any you know podcast platform, keep listening. It helps our numbers. Uh, and then if you're interested in sending us a message, uh, any social media app, we are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of those. But beside that, let's dive into the action here. Uh, I actually wanted to follow up on what you said. I think this week kind of gave us an idea of teams that – from our from our coverage area that are legit title contenders uh, from what they did i think when you when you look at it it really boils down to four teams that could um threaten to win a Whippeal championship and for me that's california mcguffey tj and belvern do you agree um to an extent yes title contenders yes yeah that that's that's probably fair yeah i just think when you look at the results of what you know, McGuffey did at home against Chargers Houston, a team with a very good defense, a defense that we probably haven't seen them play all year. Um, you know, Washheim might have something to say about that. But, you know, we saw what California did against a for sure. Well, I'm using it for sure in air quotes because they still have to play a Vela, but Carmichael should be going to the playoffs. So we saw what California did to them. And then what Bell Vernon did against Trinity, that a Trinity team that was very hot. Uh, I think they also made a big statement. But let's jump into it. I just mentioned the Avella Eagles. They played a Thursday night game at Bentworth. Uh, Bentworth senior night. They lost to the Bearcats 31-41. to Despite that, Avella still has a chance to sneak into the playoffs. They win coming up this weekend. Um, but off the bat, it's a total shame that Bentworth lost Jefferson Morgan because they only had 15 players and they still were able to beat the Avella Eagles, a team that we've seen definitely overachieve this year. Um, what were your some of your thoughts from this one? I know you watched this one a lot closer than I did. Yeah, I watched Bentworth's live stream. Um, Bentworth just came out early and dominated the game. You know, I think when I turned the game on because – um, the game kicked off at 7. I didn't get on till about 8 o'clock. Just I had prior commitment and didn't get to watch it. Um, you know, it was already, uh, like, I believe, like, 
28 to 6 or something like that along those lines. It was just a blowout already. Um, and then Benware kept scoring, and, but they did let Avella get back into uh, the game. You know, that's why they eventually lost to Jeff Morgan, uh, Jefferson Morgan's passing game. You know, Owen Maddish had three big touchdowns, and that ended up um, leading Bentworth, or excuse me, yeah, Bentworth to a loss, leading Jeff Morgan to a win. Um, and they let Avella get back in the game a little bit too, just as Bentworth did the prior week to West Green. You know, West Green started throwing the ball down the field to Nathan Orndoff. Um, let him get back in the game, and the same thing happened. You know, Avella was throwing it down the field to uh, Tanner Terensky and um, several other Avella Eagle wide receivers. So, but um, just basically the Owen Patricic show, as it's been all season for Bentworth for sure. And you just mentioned him. Owen Patricic uh, passes the Bentworth touchdown all time record. Is he definitely going to go down as, you know, one of, if not the best player in Bearcat history? He's definitely the best I've ever seen. You know, I'm not up to date on my history of Bentworth football, but, um, you know, to be the all-time touchdown leader in your high school's history, uh, you know, you're definitely right up there. And Avella is kind of in a in a better position, even with a loss to Bentworth. It was one that they, they – uh, they could have allowed because they still have two losses in the con- or two in the loss column, and Carmichael's now has one with a loss against California, and Avella still has Carmichael's on the table. So if Avella is able to upset Carmichael's this weekend at home, uh, Avella can sneak in there with a playoff spot um, as a top two in the conference. Uh, one, do you see that possibly happening? And two, is it possible for Avella to do that? Um, with this season, I think anything's possible. Um, but with that being said, I think Carmichael's comes in with a vengeance. You know, they were right in that game for the thick of it last night against California. Um, but then, you know, two interceptions in the red zone um, with very long returns for California hurt them. Of course, a fumble kickoff. Um, just mistakes. You don't see Carmichael's football teams make that often. Um, and that was the big difference last night, obviously, um, in not being able to stop Jaden Zuzak, which don't worry, Carmichael's, no one else has been able to do that this year either. But, um, no, I don't see Avella. Avella's been very underwhelming, you know, obviously only scoring 13 points against Mapletown. Um, and Mapletown's, Mapletown's probably one of the most improved teams throughout this season um, as the season's gone on. But Avella's been very underwhelming. Um, you wonder if the stardust has worn off from the 3-0 start um, for Avella. But, you know, um, I, I think Avella's just been very underwhelming um, as the past few weeks. And then moving into another Tri-County South game here, uh, Jefferson Morgan visiting Mapletown. Uh, Mapletown kept this one pretty close throughout the whole thing. They had a chance to win it. Um, they had the ball at, with the clock running out um, down down seven. Uh, they had a chance to tie, but it ended up failing. Jefferson Morgan got the win 20-13. to 13. Um, What do you take more out of this result here? Because we've seen Mapletown really play well up to his competition against a team like Avella last week. Um, do you take more out of this, the Rockets struggling offensively, or Mapletown being able to close the gap in the conference? Because what we saw last year was that there was a huge gap in the conference between the best team and the worst team, and aside from California, I think we are seeing that lessen this year with Mapletown you know, having two strong weeks of defensive performances. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's more Mapletown um, improving a lot more. Um, because Jefferson's not a terrible ball team, but I think Mapletown's just improved that much over this year. You know, this is this is a really young Mapletown team, and they're really coming into their own with Landon Stevenson, of course, leading the way for them. Um, but you know, they just Mapletown's always struggled defensively in the secondary, and that's what eventually caused them to lose. Uh, you know, Owen Maddich going up in double coverage, um, and eventually bringing that ball down and walking into the end zone. Um, that's just always been the downfall of Mapletown footballs has been their secondary. And, you know, if they get a team that can throw against them, um, they're in trouble. And that's what happened on Friday night. But they did keep it close. And, you know, they had an opportunity to tie the game up at the end. Um, just couldn't get it down the field and punch it in. And going into the year, when we looked at Jefferson Morgan, we thought that they'd be more of a run-heavy team because we talked about how we thought Lee and Ankrum was coming back for them at Jonathan Wolf. Lee and Ankrum ended up not playing the season, and Jonathan Wolf has been kind of underwhelming as far as offensively. But we've really seen, you know, kind of an air raid style, you know, with their points being scored. With you know, Colt Fowler ended up having to move to quarterback. Owen Maddich has been a surprise at wide receiver. Um, how do you see that translating now into the game here coming up against West Green? Uh, I think they're going to try to do the same thing they've been doing. Uh, Colt Fowler, I, I, I mean, no, no, you know, it's unfortunate what happened to Colt Jones, but Colt Fowler, man, you know, coming into the, you know, he was the starting quarterback last year, uh, or his freshman year, excuse me. Um, was that last year? No, Colt Jones was the starter as a freshman yeah, last, last year. Last year, yeah, and that's then the what year I thought. Before Colt Fowler was, Cole was the Fowler. starter as a freshman. Yeah, so Colt Fowler in his junior season—that's what I thought. So Colt Fowler or Colt Fowler, Colt Fowler. Let me get let me get on track here. Good for him coming back and really just balling out for Jefferson at quarterback. Really, you know, hey, like putting a statement like, hey, this is my job now. You know. Uh, you know, he's been, I think, really the big the big thing for them. You know, like you know, the offense wasn't really getting it going with Jones early in the season. Now this offense is putting up points. Um, you know, forty points against Bentworth. Um, didn't score a lot against Mapletown, and credit that to this young Mapletown defense. But you know, just throwing up the ball when you got a big target like Maddich, there's not a lot of defensive backs that are the same height attributes as Maddich. So, you know, that's a mismatch opportunity for sure. So Maddich just going up there. I believe he's about six foot four. So, you know, just that big fit six foot four frame. Uh that's a hard matchup for any Tri County South um defensive back. And with um with both of these guys coming back next year, Cole Fowler will be a senior. Cole Jones will be a uh sophomore or no a junior I believe. Um just what what do you think that competition is going to look like? You know, Cole Jones coming back from his injury. Uh, do you think having a guy like Cole Fowler is something they'll be able to build on, maybe gain some momentum heading into next year because they're not going to make the playoffs this year? Uh, yeah, you know, it just depends about uh, what what else, what else other positions you need filled around you. You know, if you need Fowler back a wide receiver, then that's what you got to do. You know, it just depends on what they have for next year. Uh, but my personal opinion, I think I would have Fowler back there. Um, work Jones a little bit, and then eventually, and then put Jones back a quarterback for Jones' senior year, or you, vice versa. You know, you could have Jones back junior year so he can work for a senior year or whatever. It just depends what 
uh, Jefferson's needs are more for position next year. And moving along here in the Tri-County South, uh, Manesson, we didn't really have a chance to talk about this in our preview, but Manesson actually uh, canceled their season uh, after low numbers. Uh, just some of your thoughts here on the Greyhounds canceling the season and if we if they might not even have a program heading into next year. Yeah, you know, just a sad situation, Manesson. Um, you know, that's a very rich history and rich tradition school. You know, um, Manesson had the most NFL players ever from the WPIL um, until McKeesport just recently passed them up with uh, Khalid Hudson uh, getting drafted to the Washington football team. But, uh, you know, Manesson, just the rich history. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's just sad to see, you know, one of the historical programs in the WPIL uh, come down to this and have to forfeit, you know, the last three games of their season, really. You know, they made the announcement that they were canceling the last two, but they forfeited the previous week to Carmichael's. Um, you know, it's just it's just a sad scene to see. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just, that's you know, ever since the steel mill industry um, kind of left western Pennsylvania, you know, you see a lot of these steel mill towns along the, the three rivers, you know, just kind of not crumble, but you know, just kind of, well, just lose population, really, to be, just to be frank, you know, just loss in population, um, and Manessa is just one of those cities that um, has lost its population, and when you don't have a big population, you're not going to have a big high school, um, and when that, you know, with that being said, you know, that's just what's going to happen, you know, low numbers, you know, low numbers for athletics, and that's just what happens. It's sad to see, though, especially to one of these rich programs like Manessa. And we'll see if Shane Swope uh, is able to recover that program heading into next year, maybe get some interest back in, in Greyhounds football. Otherwise, they're not going to have a team. And um, you mentioned Manesson being a sad scene. Uh, you want me to read you some of these point totals, and we haven't had a chance to talk about the Brownsville Falcons much this year because they moved up to 3A, but we do this week. And I'm going to read some of these point totals that they've scored this year against some of their 3A competition here. Um, they started off home against East Allegheny. They got shut out 42 nothing. They were at Elizabeth Ford. They lost 45 nothing. Home against South Park, 6-41. At South Allegheny, they scored 16 but gave up 63. Home against Mount Pleasant, 42 nothing. And then we coming into this week, South Moreland canceled their game with Brownsville, a game that you know hopefully they would have competed in. Uh, and... They in South Moreland had to cancel it because of COVID. Brownsville had an open date. West Green had an open date, and here we are. Brownsville had to visit West Green, uh, and the final score was kind of disgusting. Uh, Fifty-three to twelve for the Pioneers were all over them. Uh, Brownsville lost their starting quarterback. Their second-string quarterback had to call in sick uh, the day of. So now they're starting Josh Savage, their best wide receiver at quarterback. And it did not translate very well. What were some of your takeaways from this uh, out-of-conference game between the Pioneers and the Falcons? Uh, I was happy to see, you know, West Green get a senior night. That was one nice thing. Um, I, um, it's a shame that Manesson, I mean, it's a shame Manesson had to uh, forfeit their season as it was. But I wish it could have happened sooner for the fact that, you know, Waysburg had an open date early in the week. I really wish Waynesburg and West Green could have played and played in that rivalry. 
I don't know when the last time the Waynesburg or West Green played in football. I know it's been a long time, uh, but Waynesburg got to play Ligonier Valley. We'll get to that later in the podcast. But uh, Brownsville, you know, I knew Brownsville was pretty bad um, coming into this game. You know, a team we thought we would cover this year, but they got bumped up to 3A, so they fell out of our coverage area. Um Hopefully with expansion this summer, uh, with plans are, you know, maybe we'll cover them next year. Time will only tell with that. But uh, that's another program with Manessa. Now, Brownsville has numbers as a school district. You know, Brownsville's obviously playing 3A. But Brownsville's football, I-, I don't know about that future of that football program. And those kids are out there trying and doing their best. It- it's just, it- I-, I just don't really know what it is out there. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, this was their one chance to win a game this year because they got Yawk coming up uh, next week, and that's a little bit more winnable for them. But compared to West Green, and you're losing your two, your two, the only two quarterbacks you have on the roster. I mean, that's not a very good recipe for success, and it showed it in the end result for this game. Uh, but. When you look at their status for a team next year, I mean, they, they have all the perfect formula for them to not have, right? You, they lose their starting quarterback. They're they're probably dropping numbers through the season just based on the results of the, the, the scores against the teams they're playing. Uh, it's just not a very good recipe for success. So we'll see if they're able to rebound against Yawk, if they can get their second-string quarterback back in time to start that game uh, and hopefully lead them to, you know, even being competitive. But not being competitive in any game this year and then just getting destroyed by a 1A team and not even a spectacular 1A team. West Green has underperformed a lot of games this year. Um, Just very disappointing if you're a Falcons fan with that result. Uh, Let's move into the uh, Century conference now with some games here uh frazier rekindled their rivalry with beth center and kenny fine ran all over the bulldogs he had a 77 yard pick six for the commodores and we've seen frazier really improve after that mcguffey lost domador Khan has uh shown that he is worthy of starting in this conference i think in the past couple weeks um but have they done enough because they got a big game here a big road game against the Washington Prexies, and that'll be for a playoff spot. Do you think they've improved enough after that, after that McGuffey loss to compete with the Washington Prexies up in the schedule? Boy, I don't know. You know, uh, the one thing that they have against Wash High this week that they didn't have against McGuffey is Kenny Fine. Um, so that'll be a big thing. Um, you know, the one thing that also points out for me, you know, Char Houston only gave up seven points to Frazier. Char Houston gave up 42 points to Wash High. I know how sloppy Wash High could be. Um, looking at the Trinity game, looking at um, the McGuffey game, really looking at any game, Wash High's had a lot of turnovers. Uh, but the two games they've lost are the two games that have, the turnovers have cost them the most. Uh, so that's going to be the big thing for Frazier. Frazier's going to have to get Wash High to turn over the ball for the Commodores to be able to pull one out Friday night and get into the playoffs, which if coming into this year, if you would have told me Wash High would not make the playoffs, I'd have called you an idiot. I mean... Play, like, 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 just straight up, I would have called you an idiot. Like, not uh, politically correct or not, like, that's what I would have... <laughs> I, I would have told you you're an idiot if you would have told me Wash High going into the last week of the season needed a win to guarantee they made the playoffs, I'd have called you an idiot. 
I, anybody, not you, Grells. I'll call you an idiot if I want, but no. But all, all seriousness, I, I would have like that. That is just crazy for me to comprehend. Back in August, if you'd have told me that. I mean, with the ruling that the Whitfield came out with uh, last week, that they're basically going to be handpicking the last four teams in the playoffs for two A. That they're going to be taking the conference champions and then. Um, handpicking the rest well they got to take Sarah Catholic because they have a share of their that title so that's five teams that have an automatic bid so it's not a complete stretch to, to say that even if Wash High wins this game that they might be politicked out of a playoff spot that's not it's not likely for that to happen but I'm just saying it's a possibility if you're a Prexies fan uh, just w- what do you think about maybe that possibly happening yeah, there's definitely that possibility, but with a program like, like Wash High, I think if politics is anything, I think politics plays in the Prixie's favor, um, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, you know, that, that that's one thing I'm not really a fan of because politics will play a factor in who gets handpicked for these wild card spots. Um, but I don't think a program lock, like Wash High has to really worry about it. You know, they, they have... The they they are a standard in the WPIL, you know, one of the few programs with over 700 wins. Um, you know, a rich history for sure. You know, a lot of great players, a lot of great coaches, um, and they travel well um, as a fan base, and they have a great fan base in that. Um, so I think politics will play a favor for Wash High, if anything. But there's always that chance. Just looking at the standings now, I. We met. I just mentioned those three playoff spots that they'll be competing for because Sarah Catholic definitely has to get in. Um, there are probably four teams competing for that spot, that spot, and uh, it's going to be Laurel, New Brighton, Wash High, and Western Beaver. And I think you're looking at probably Laurel being the six, the best team out of those four. But out of the rest, I mean, Western Beaver, I think probably gets in as well so you're probably looking at wash eye between new brighton uh i think wash eye would get in over them don't don't you think i mean they have the bull they have the same win loss record only wash eyes one of their losses would have come to trinity so i think wash eye would have get would get in over them yeah i i you know they say they're going to look at strength of schedule i think if you look at wash eyes two losses you know, you got McGuffey, who was the outright section champ in this conference, only one loss, and that was to an out-of-conference, out-of-state Lindsley Academy. Um, and then the same, you know, Wash High's only other loss is to um, Trinity, who is a, you know, a 4A team that is right was, you know, right on the cusp of making the playoffs at 4A, too. Um, so I think if you look at that strength of schedule-wise – um, you know, I think they get in over um, a new Brighton team. I mean, if you also look at Wash High's win though, wins though, they they only have really one win over a winning team, and that's Chartiers Houston. Uh, the rest of their losses coming against you know McGuffey and Trinity. Uh, we'll see how they perform against Frazier. I think Frazier would be another team that would add to that column. But I, I think that's going to be an interesting story through the rest of this week and after you know after the games at the end in into selection Monday at the Dog and Pony show. So we'll see. 
Uh, that that is a story TBA. Um, but let's move into uh, that game with McGuffey. They hosted Chargers Houston, a team that is in the upper half of the century, and uh, they whooped them fifty six nothing. And I was foolish to call this game a backdoor cover. That did not happen whatsoever. McGuffey had the handle through all four quarters. And we've mentioned how good the Chargers Houston Bucks defense has been this year. Scoring 56 points against the Bucks is that a statement for the Highlanders heading into the playoffs? Yeah, for sure. You know, this is uh, this is a, de- a decent defense at that. Uh, one of the better in this conference. And for McGuffey to just absolutely put 56 big points on the board for him, yeah, that's a big statement for that offense for sure. And then... Uh, just from Charlie Houston, that's a tough result for them. Uh, but it, it was kind of not, it was predicted the way McGuffey has played all year. And then we talked about Wash High a little bit. Uh, let's actually talk about their game. Thirty-nine nothing. They visited Charleroi. Um, the game was fourteen nothing at half, but Washington pulled away in the second quarter. Nothing on offense from the Cougars. Uh, Wash High has looked pretty underwhelming. You know, opening up opening up games against weaker competition. I mean, they looked underwhelming against Chargers Houston in the first quarter and in into the second quarter. Uh, Trinity was just all over them with turnovers. Prexes have struggled with that all year, and then with Frazier, you know, right there uh, on the horizon. Can you see a situation in which they really struggle to open the game and Frazier just pounces on that opportunity? Yeah, you know, as I mentioned, Frazier getting turnovers early and often and capitalizing on them. I think that's the the easiest way to short, for sure to get the win against Wash High. And yeah, I think that's a that's a result that is in the it's not likely, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, and that's something that Frazier has got to be looking for. And then let's move into uh, 4A here with probably the. Biggest game of the week in Belvern and at Trinity. Trinity coming in with all the momentum. We mentioned that win against Wash High a week ago and then two weeks ago against West Mifflin. Uh, but Belvernon came in and, you know, Trinity actually looked pretty good in the first two drives. I mean, their, their offensive line was clicking um, on their first drive as as an offense. Defensively, they stopped them early. Um, and I think they got a four and out to start off the game because Belvernon got the ball. And then Trinity just um, fell apart, really, and Bell Vernon kind of controlled the game the rest of the way. Devin Whitlock was running all over them. Um, and then Dane Annan goes out with an injury, and that kind of gave Trinity a little hope. And then the next play, uh, Quentin Martin put his name in the, in the headlines in the newspapers with a touchdown right off the bat. He got a touchdown later in the game. Uh, just what did you see from Bell Vernon in this game here against the Hillers? No, uh, all honestly, uh, you know, just dominating defense, you know. Um, a way to come back for uh, Bell Vernon, too, you know, they gave up the first touchdown of the game to Trinity, um, you know, Trinity scoring first and then just punching them right back in the mouth, putting up 52 points for the game. Um, that showed a lot. You know, that defense only gave up one other touchdown on the night. Um, just to really, you know, I, well, yeah, we both picked Trinity. Um, and Bell Vernon just shut up, just shut us up. Um, just, you know, the Leopards are definitely, um, a title contender for sure for a, that's what they told us on Friday night for sure. I think, and in, you look at the youth across this team too. I mean, Devin Whitlock, only junior Cole Waitman, only junior Quentin Martin, 
And I told you this before the podcast. The way we're looking at Quentin Martin is that I think the gap between Rodney Gallagher and where he is as far as rankings in, in you know nationally as a recruit uh, in the sophomore class, I think that gap is even greater when you're looking at what Quentin Martin has done already as, in his career as a freshman uh, and where he's going to be ranked as a recruit um, looking in the next four years. I think there's a lot still on the table for him as a player, and it's going to be exciting to see what Bell Vernon uh, does with him in the next four years as a running back. Um, but you look, you're looking at those guys and the youth they have. Is Bell Vernon not even not even just for this year? Are they the next up and coming team to be dominant in the Whippeal? From you know, kind of what we saw from Thomas Jefferson maybe last year in the year before, just positive momentum with really good young players. Yeah, for sure. You know, this Bell Vernon team is built to win now, and they're built to win next year for sure. Um, are they losing some people? Yes, but are they going to replace those people? You better believe they're definitely going to reload, not rebuild. Um, they definitely got a core back next year that's going to help them win, but they're worried about right now, and right now they're definitely a title contender in 4A. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see, you know, Bell Vernon with Waitman as a senior, with Devin Whitlock as a senior, with Quinn Martin as a sophomore, and with, you know, with you know 17 games under his belt as a sophomore it's going to be exciting to see Belvernon and TJ battle it out again next year um that's just that rivalry just keeps adding stories and stories to it and Belvernon just, Belvernon he, just might keeps, get that game might get that game again this year yeah we'll see um i think that's definitely a Heinz contender of Belvernon has what it takes to uh beat you know either Mars Charters Valley and then come up to Aliquippa and get the win or at home against Aliquippa and get the win and um, walk into Hinesfield or maybe not Hinesfield and uh, see what they're, they look like against Thomas Jefferson once again. Uh, elsewhere in 4A, this was a game that Trinity was watching, uh, but they needed to win and they ended up not doing that. McKeesport at home against Laurel Highlands, 35-20 the final. It was 27-7 at half, and then the Mustangs kind of crept back. That would kind of be the definition of a backdoor cover if the spread wasn't around uh, 11. Uh, <laughs> but the Tigers' defense kind of struggled in the second half, and Laurel Highlands outscored them. But I have a feeling the Tigers were kind of looking at the game as a done deal. Uh, but... They got Thomas Jefferson now on the table, and if you're a if you're a Tigers fan, you're wishing you won this game by a little bit more. Um, but do they have enough in the tank to maybe compete or even upset a Thomas Jefferson Jaguars team? You know that's a great question. You know the McKeesport's defense has been their best attribute all season. Um, you know, I've said many times, you know, Bell Vernon only put up twenty on them, and that was because of a late intercept pick six in that game. Um, so up to that point, it was only 14 nothing. Um, so their defense has not been their problem at all this season. Um, and now they face this very good Thomas Jefferson team, you know, Dave, J, uh, Jake Pugh and all, all those guys, you know, Preston Zandier and all that. You know, it'll be interesting to see. I think they have what it takes to pull off the upset. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just hard to pick against Thomas Jefferson, especially this time of year. And... I think Thomas Jefferson's defense might be a little bit in question. I know they're still super strong, but 
you know this this defense we've we this defense hasn't faced the triple option before um in Thomas Jefferson so that'll be an interesting matchup I mean we mentioned that when we were previewing Bell Vernon and Keysport and one of the main reasons that Keysport would beat Bell Vernon was because of Bell Vernon um and how they're inex- inexperienced against the triple option and then the way that game ended up was Cole Waitman and those talented linebackers uh just kind of dissecting it really quickly Thomas Jefferson doesn't have a Cole Waitman back there. Is that something that might, you know, put the game a little bit more into the Tigers' favor? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I said, I've said i said that all year. You know, this is the first time for this conference to see a team that runs the triple option the way that um, McKeesport has. And, you know, that's that will definitely leave TJ vulnerable for a little bit. But they also have a guy by the name of Bill Chirpak. I don't know if you've ever heard his name before, Nathan. Um, he's a head football coach up there in West Jefferson Hill. So I think he knows a thing or two about football. So I say Jaguars will be pretty good uh, come Friday night against the Tigers. And they look pretty good this Friday as well. 41 nothing over the Ringgold Rams. Yeah, they look pretty good. Uh, not much to say about that one. And then our final game, or no, final game before the Saturday matchup, Ligonier Valley at Waynesburg Central. We knew this would be a blowout. I honestly was... I honestly was surprised this wasn't more of a blowout, but Waynesburg Central lost forty-two to seven. Were you were you there with me and surprised that uh, the Raiders didn't give up more points to the Rams? Yeah, I really thought um, Ligonier would just unleash everything uh, they had into this Waynesburg uh, team, but um, and that's that's a lot because they're I, I God no I can't pronounce his name, but uh, their running back for Ligonier had. Uh, five touchdowns. Um, it just you know, Ligonier just made a long drive and out to Waynesburg, and they just put the points up on the board. And uh, like we had mentioned, good thing Waynesburg didn't have to travel to Ligonier because that'd have been a long bus ride home. Let me tell you. And then our final game. This one was on a Saturday, and back to the Tri County South we go. This one was for all the marbles. California at Carmichael's. The winner would win the conference, and California came out with a win 49-20. Jaden Zusak, six touchdowns, five on the ground, one in the air. He was all over the scoreboard. Damani Stafford, you know, he had a big injury last week, came out of the game, and he was kind of questionable all week, came out, and on three broken ribs was all over the field as well, bulldozing the Carmichael's defense. Um, what do you see from this one? You were there with Woosin. I was there covering the game on Twitter. Uh, just what were your overall thoughts from the Trojans' Tri-County South victory? Uh, you know, this is the first time I got to see Cal all season. Uh, credit to them. You know, we when we came into the year, um, you know, our biggest question was, we know this California team has athletes, but is the offensive line going to be there? Uh, credit to California's offensive line. Uh, they showed up um, to what I've heard all season, but especially last night, you know, first time seeing them with my own eyes. Um you know, their their offensive line's legit. And, you know, it's not Zuzak and Stafford making plays on their own. You know, they're hitting the holes and they're hitting them hard. And, uh, you know, when you got holes the size, you know, a semi-truck can drive through, it makes it easy and makes someone like Jaden Zuzak, who's already a top-notch athlete as it is, make even look even better. Um, and it was just the Zuzak Express. They rode all night. Now, Damani did throw it out a little bit. You know, they ran a couple screens. They like to air it out a little bit. Uh, but Zuzak, you know, we know he's the WPIL's leading rusher and leader in touchdown rushes. But, uh, you know, he threw one through the air last night. Found out he's a uh, left-hander. Didn't know that about him. So, 
Uh, we found that out last night, and just a dominant performance by California at uh, at Carmichael's last night. And I think some of the problems was when we were previewing this game, we said Carmichael's had to be methodical. They had to control the ball. They had to uh, kind of play to California's weaknesses, and I didn't see that. I saw playing to their strengths. I saw Carmichael's trying to match the Trojans step-for-step step in scoring. They tried to they tried to stretch the field. They tried to get points quickly. And when you're playing California, when you're playing a home run hitter like Jaden Zusak is, that's not going to work. And they ended up making mistakes in the middle to late stages of the game that just gave the Trojans the ball and ended up leading to their victory. Um, were you in there with me and questioning some of the Carmichael's game plan motives there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no question about that. I thought the same thing. You know, I said, you know, Carmichael's needs to ground and pound and, you know, chew some clock up, and they did none of that. They tried to hit the deep ball, which they did a couple times to Michael Stewart, um, and they even had one touchdown called back to Stewart. But, you know, and then, and then what I don't get late in the game when they should have been passing the ball to try to get back in it, they were running the ball, letting the clock run out. I didn't get that at all. Um yeah, definitely questioning Ron Gallagher and his coaching staff's call late in that game. But, you know, I, 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 I'm with you. I, I don't understand some of the call, the, the play calling and why you're trying to, um, you know, try to match um, punch for punch per se with California. And another thing I don't know, I don't know why you have a left-handed quarterback in Trenton Carter rolling out to his right so he has to throw across his body. Yeah, that's another thing I did not get. That's a tough, that's a tough throw for a lefty. That's, uh, you know, that's that's the that's just I, I didn't get that. But who who am I to say? Yeah, uh, for me, it's just California is going to get their points. Like defensively, Carmichael's was not exactly. You're not gonna like, you're not gonna stop Jaden Zuzak. You only hope to slow him down. And you want to control the ball as much as you can. So. I, exactly. When you have a guy the like bet, Bailey Jones, I don't understand what. Uh, they, exactly, and Trenton Carter. Could, exactly, and Trenton Carter could run too. I, I, I really was shocked there. I, I even said the best defense against Jaden Zuzak is your offense because when you're on offense, Jaden Zuzak doesn't have the ball in his hands or the opportunity to get the ball in his hands. So I, I just didn't. I don't know. Last night, I think Carmichael was trying to be too. Um, too uh, explosive on offense last night. Um, no pun intended, because they let off a bunch of fireworks last night. Even one premature on a Michael Stewart, what they thought was a Michael Stewart touchdown, but uh, he was about a yard or two short. Yeah, it just a lot of just questionable decisions from Carmichael's last night, and, and a lot of mistakes as well. Two big interceptions by Anthony Hashitz on defense. Um, that California defense might be one of the most underrated, you know, uh, position groups across maybe the 1A and the Whippeal. Like uh, the way that defense controlled Carmichael's, even though even though Carmichael's tried to get you know get home runs and they kind of had a questionable um, strategy. I think the way Ethan Fike he had a big he had a strip um, fumble there as well that kind of turned the tide in the game and then um, getting another fumble on a kickoff. California was just crazy as far as what they were able to do on defense. Do you agree? 
yeah, you know, they were able to slow him down. You know, Carmichael's made a couple of drives in the third quarter, and then, uh, you know, California came up big with two interceptions and returned them deep into Carmichael's territory, and they capitalized on him, and that's the reason they were able to win this game. And then um, Carmichael's has an important game against Avella. Do you see them being able to rebound? Because I think we, we talked about this earlier in the podcast for sure, but, uh, you know, Carmichael's is a team where if this is able to hurt them, you know, long-term, I could see them maybe losing this game. Just a, a quick synopsis again. Yeah, I think Carmichael's will be fine. I think they rebound against Avella. Like I said, Avella's been very underwhelming. I think Ron Gallagher gets his players, um, you know, ready for this week's game. And, you know, I, they know what's on the line. You know, they know they need to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. So, I think they definitely rebound in this one for sure. And then let's jump into our next segment here. We got Amigos of the Week. That is Players of the Week for our English-speaking listeners. Uh, This is where we pick the two players that we thought were most important. Or we each pick one player, but two in total, that we think uh, really played well. And uh, Jeremiah, I'm going to let you go first because you have the pretty obvious pick on this one. Yeah, I'm uh, going with the WPI's leading rusher, Jaden Zuzek, again. Three weeks in um, a row. Yeah, I mean, why, why, you know, why not? Uh, over 200 yards and six total touchdowns, five rushing, one passing. I mean, that's all I need to say right there. Uh, congratulations to Zuzek and the California Trojans, uh, Tri-County South champions once again. So congratulations. And Devin Whitlock was just ridiculous for Bell Vernon, but I think – you know, we know he's going to be ridiculous. Uh, but for my amigo of the week, Quentin Martin, freshman running back, coming in off the bench for Dane Anden, and uh, he just outperformed, got two touchdowns, and he came in in probably the mid-second quarter, and that was impressive for me. I mean, Devin Whitlock's going to get his, but Quentin Martin coming out, coming out into the game as a freshman and really showing everyone against a tough defense uh, why he's one of the most heralded players uh, in the freshman class. It really showed a lot for me. So he's my amigo of the week. Uh, moving into our next segment here, pizza review. Uh, we had Pizza Italia and Carmichael's. Jeremiah was there sampling their, them as well, so he is going to perform his segment because he's the one that originally came up with it. So he's going to roll with this one. Yeah, about time. Uh, so when I got there, uh, Grells texted me. I was at Sheets because, as he mentioned, I was working for Waynesburg University Sports Network yesterday covering a, a TV broadcast of the game. Um, he texted me, and I was at Sheets and Carmichael's getting um, something to drink um, to have during the game. Um, he texted me and he said, hey, meet me in the parking lot, I got some pizza. And I was like, it's about time I get to do my segment. So anyway, um, got there, it was a little cold, not their fault. That's because Growls didn't text me when it was hot and ready, but that's beside the point. Um, no, but it got there, it was a good sausage and cheese pizza, uh, sausage and cheese pizza, very good. It was cold at the time, like I said, sauce was good, crust was perfect, it was thin pizza. I love New York style pizza. Um, it was good pizza. It, it wasn't the best I ever had, and if I got a hot, I'd probably give it a better score. Um, but I don't think the score is bad. I, I'm giving it a six. I'm giving it a six six. Uh, it's a very good score. Um, it's not a rookie score, obviously, because I'm a I'm a professional pizza eater. Uh, you can look at my um, background to see. Um, but yeah, I'm a prefer, uh, you know six six. It's a good score. It was cold. If I got a hot, it might might 
might get up to a seven. I don't know. Um, but the crust was good. Cheese was good. Sauce was nice. Um, not sweet sauce. I'm not a fan of sweet sauce at times. You know, it was just a really good uh, pizza sauce for sure. Um, yeah, six six. Um, definitely good pizza. Carmichael's has a good pizza. Yeah, I agree with you. What you said about the sauce. Uh, as far as the crust, though. Um, Right off the bat, I, it was probably different for you because it was a little, it was a little colder for you. But uh, but just right out of the box, the crust was very floppy. It was like like you had to fold that thing up for you, for you to eat it. Um, so I would probably deduct points on the crust just out of, just straight from that. Um, but yeah, the sausage cheese were excellent. We got garlic bread as well, and the garlic bread was great. And I put cheese on the garlic bread. That I'm a big fan of that. So um, I'd probably um, give the first one from Mavella still as the best place we've been to so far. But um, that's probably third best, um, right behind, uh, right behind uh, Trinity. So uh, or right in front of Trinity because I think Trinity was um, less than Avella. So I'd probably put it to second out of the three. All right. Uh, any? Do you have any final words here before we move into plugs? Just uh, your thoughts from the week or anything you want to say? Yeah, you know, just really looking forward to um, the uh, um, you know the last week of the regular season and getting closer and closer to WPI playoffs. You know, just really excited about that. Yeah, and we'll be previewing that last week here coming up. We got some, we we got some pretty good games here. Uh, McKeesport, Thomas Jefferson is probably going to be the game of the week. Um, West Green, Jefferson, Morgan, that rivalry continuing at possibly Wiley Stadium, so that's exciting as well. Uh, we'll be talking about that coming up in our next podcast. Um, you can check out some of our previous podcasts though on Spotify, Castbox, Apple Podcasts, all of them, all there. As well, you can email us at backyourpayfootball at gmail. You can text us anywhere you, on social media, Instagram, Messenger, Facebook Messenger. Uh, you know, we're on Facebook as well, Twitter, Twitter messaging, stuff like that. Um, we'll be sure to respond quickly and promptly. And you can check out our merch on Patreon or on Teespring, of course. Um, that is in the description of this podcast. You can support us on Patreon um, just if you like what we're doing here. And you can go check out PO Football News for everything high school football. That's where all our articles are. You can go read those, our recaps from the games. Those are very interesting. We got um, a couple up there, uh, one from the McGuffey Charters Houston game. Belverna Trinity is up there as well. Uh, Peyton Trollinger was there with the Beth Center Frazier recap. Uh, so go check those out because we work real hard on them to get them out to you as quickly as possible on Fridays. Um, just to recap the game for you guys. Beside that, this has been the Backyard PA Football Podcast. I am Nathan Grella. I'm Jeremiah Miller. And we will see you guys later this week when we're discussing Week 7, the week before the playoffs started. I'm excited to see the weather dip into the low 30s um, and go out and cover some playoff games. Um, See you guys. You've been listening to the Backyard PA Football Podcast with Nathan Grella and Jeremiah Miller. Contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or through email. Support us on Patreon, and check out some merch on Teespring. Thank you for listening.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.